the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob Fratz Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed hour number two underway now at nine minutes past ten o'clock on AM 1420. The answer phone lines will be open at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Congratulations, rather, I should say thank you uh, once again uh, to uh, Daniel Horwitz from Conservative Review for joining us. We will also talk with Congressman Jim Jordan. That'll be at 1035, so after the bottom of the hour news. For now, we turn our attention. You know, it's funny, we spent the entire first... uh, uh, 45 minutes or so of the program talking about the murder of Molly Tibbetts by an illegal alien who had been living in this country for uh, anywhere between four and seven years in Iowa and working with false documentation, which allowed him to be hired uh, for roughly four to seven years. Now we're going to turn our attention to a woman who has been living in this country illegally for over 20 years. And all she did during that time was help put together the New Mexico compound slash terror slash jihadi cult. And joining us to analyze that is Ryan Morrow. Ryan Morrow, of course, is the director of national intelligence for the Clarion Project. Uh, He is a national security analyst and also an adjunct professor of homeland security. Uh, Ryan, good to have you back on the air, my friend. How are you? I'm doing very well. Ryan, you've been very busy. I've got two big stories that I would like to discuss with you. Uh, one of them uh, has to do with uh, what we talked about last week as the story was kind of breaking at that time, and that is uh, the woman arrested, one of those arrested in the New Mexico Jihadi Compound, uh, terror cult training center for kids to become school shooters, all of the things we know. One woman was arrested by immigration authorities, and we have learned that she has been in the United States illegally for 20 years. Number one, what does that say about our system of uh, finding and rooting out people who are here illegally? Number two, can you give us more of an update? What do we know about this woman? Sure. So this is the female leader of the compound. She adopted the name Miriam, uh, meaning Mary, 
uh, because I believe she was supposed to give birth to the to who they thought would become Jesus, and then Jesus, Muslim Jesus, would bring them to final victory over the entire globe. It's part of an Islamic end times prophecy, and so these members of the New Mexico compound believe that they were part of that, uh, and so they were cultish to a degree even more than your normal Islamic extremists are, are cultish. And so this is a female leader, um, and she, and they could, would call her Mary, and what we now know is, we didn't know this at first, is that she is from Haiti and came to the United States about 20 years ago, um, overstayed her visa from Haiti, and just hung out for 20 years <laughs> and, li- and lived in uh, the New York area, moved around the country, um, they described it as in hiding, but it, of course, the research I've done, she didn't really hide that much. I mean, we were able to find traces of her going back years and year, years. So uh, this is now a microcosm of the debate over border security and illegal immigration. Uh, so the story just keeps getting bigger and bigger. So it's just amazing to think that you had a real Islamic extremist here that just overstayed her visa uh, for 20 years, and look at what was very narrowly avoided. A compound where kids are malnourished, where at least two of the older boys are being prepared to carry out school shootings, and what could have very likely have been a jihadist version of Waco, a gigantic shootout with the local police, which is something that they're preparing for, and miraculously just didn't happen. Yeah, thank God for that. Um, you also talked a little bit last week, and I don't know if you have any more on this that you can tell us or just remind us about uh, her ties to al-Qaeda, because this is, again, something that uh, has gone underreported, in my opinion. It's not something that the mainstream press wants people to know about. As a matter of fact, this entire thing, Ryan, I can't recall the last time any one of the main networks, major uh, mainstream networks, or the, uh, the, the, the biggest newspapers in the country, the Post, the Times, and all the others that are uh, you know, so, so decidedly left of center. I can't remember the words New Mexico being included in any of their reporting over the last week. They want this to go away because it does not advance their narrative. Right. So at first, they refused to describe this as being Muslim. Uh, Very few outlets did that. It was just like, you would have thought it was just a bunch of wackos. And then the information came out about uh, them training kids to do school shootings. And again, there was the ideological element was really left out of it. So it left a lot of people that didn't know that this was an Islamic compound thinking, that this was just a bunch of weirdos with that mistreated their kids, and mm-hmm. and some of the kids wanted to do school shootings. That's what you would get from the headlines in the first few paragraphs of every article. Now it's more generally known that it was an Islamic cult, um, but that's because of like a week of coverage that happened. So there was a, a, a lot of coverage from Fox News that then impacted some of the more mainstream reporting to some degree just because they had to. The information was out there. Uh, but the story has gone away now. Um, the media cycle has expired on it, even though information continues to come out. Um, and some of the information that's come out from a few different sources is that one of the women, not the woman known as Mary that was here illegally, but the other, another woman in the compound, was a supporter of Anwar al-Waki, the al-Qaeda chief, who was an American imam and basically inspired uh, the, the latest wave of jihadists. Um, but even members of ISIS who aren't al-Qaeda listen to Anwar al-Waki. And so we started asking ourselves, what, why was she so attached to Anwar al-Waki? Well, al-Waki used to lead a mosque in Virginia. And Imam Siraj Wahaj, whose family members formed this compound, 
and he's like the grandfather of the Muslim American community, we know from one of our sources, spoke at that mosque when al-Laki, this al-Qaeda chief, was leading that Virginia mosque. So how did one of these women get introduced to al-Laki besides him just being famous? Well, the, the father, her father, this famous imam in Brooklyn, had some sort of relationship with the guy because he spoke at his mosque. And it's probably more broad than that. This is pretty extreme, and it's amazing to me. What's more extreme than this is the fact that the media is not covering it, as we just discussed. It is, uh, it is. They they don't want you to know, as you said, that this was Islamic in any way, and they certainly are not going to allow the uh, details that you just gave us to be broadcast on a wide basis uh, with respect to uh, Al-Aki and and Al Qaeda. We're talking to Ryan Morrow, who is the director of intelligence for the Clarion uh, uh, Network. Uh, Ryan, I want to uh, second issue I wanted to ask you about this morning is about what you describe as a great opportunity now for the United States and for the Trump administration to essentially reshape the entirety of the Middle East. And it starts, and I saw a TV interview that you did, uh, with the break that we kind of finally have had with Turkey and, uh, and Erdogan, uh, whom we had been accepting as a moderate that we can deal with since around 2002. And now in part because of Pastor Brunson being detained and held captive in Turkey, we are breaking away from Erdogan. Can you tie all of that together and tell me how this leads to a potential reshaping of the Middle East, Ryan? Absolutely, uh, because one of the problems that we have in the Middle East is that you have different blocks of alliances, and you have friends that aren't really your friends, and it all becomes unclear. Uh, and the polarization of the Middle East in part due to Trump, in a positive way, enables us to see who's our enemy and and who's our friend instead of it getting into this weird gray area where we're like, they're our friend, but they sponsor terrorism, um, and, and it gets all really confusing. And so one of the positive things that has come out in, in recent months, I think is one of the most positive developments, is the break between the Trump administration and Turkey, which is surprising because I was very critical of the Trump administration for its attitude towards Turkey, particularly Trump himself, who was very weirdly pro-Erdogan. Um, even though the guy was becoming a dictator, and it, it just seemed part of this pattern where we're complementary towards uh, towards strongmen, and Turkey ran a very big influence operation, continues to in the United States, that did target the Trump administration with some, some success. So I was pessimistic about the Trump administration taking a hard line on Turkey, but their holding of an American pastor, uh, they moved him from jail to house arrest now, but are re- they're refusing to hand him over to the United States without some type of massive payout, a prisoner exchange or something like that. Uh, that just crossed the line. No, in- no Turkish influence operation can make President Trump look the other way uh, when they're holding an American pastor like that. And so the U.S. has put very minor sanctions on Turkey and some tariffs on the steel industry there. And the result has been really an economic collapse in Turkey. It's been much more painful for the Erdogan government than anyone anticipated. And more broadly, what I point out in my interview is, well, the story of Turkey feeling pain right now, when there's much more on the way, is the same story that we have with Iran. And there's other developments, too. The Iranian-backed forces are being pushed back in Yemen. Uh, You have ISIS that's being just torn apart. Um, So... You have the, the big powerhouses of the Middle East who have stood up to the United States now in a very weak position, and we're not even throwing everything at them that we could. So I'm hoping that Trump goes full throttle 
um, and and gets the most out of this moment, and that it's not like Turkey just hands over the American passer one day and then we go back to normal. That's a very comprehensive explanation, and I appreciate that. Can you just briefly, though, uh, before we, we depart, uh, Ryan Morrow of the Clarion Project, what exactly is it that they are accusing Pastor Brunson of doing that justifies, and, and there is no justification, I know that, it's Erdogan and it's what they do, but what, what are they saying anyway that he's being held for? We, we've heard espionage, that he's a CIA agent, that he was part of the coup to try to overthrow Erdogan, that he's connected to Kurdish terrorist groups, um, all sorts of things that would make you think that this guy was a total spy master. That they went over the top in the allegations, and uh, whether Erdogan's just making them up or he actually believes them, they're not true. That one man can't do all this. <laughs> um, John Bolton yesterday said that Turkey can end this crisis with the United States instantly by releasing the pastor. If, if do you believe that? If they release Pastor Brunson, do we go back with normalized relationships despite everything you just explained about the opportunity before us? Um, sorry to say it's very possible, um, because the other things that Turkey has done, like supporting Hamas, the Muslim Brotherhood, they're basically responsible for the survival of the Muslim Brotherhood in, in the region. Um, they go back and forth with Iran. Sometimes they're friends, sometimes a little bit more adversarial, but they're always anti-American. All of that seemed to not impact the Trump administration's policy towards Turkey. He was pro-Erdogan up until this point. So the the straw that broke the camel's back is the holding of the American passport. Now the question is whether Trump and the higher-ups learned the truth about the entirety of what Turkey has been doing and are refusing to accept it because of this crisis, whether they sat down and got such a briefing and understood, or if there is this singular focus on the American passport. I'm hoping that they learned why they should be bothered by the things that they appeared not to be bothered by before. Um, but we just don't know at this point. There's, there hasn't been any, it, let's put it this way, there hasn't been any mention by Trump of, okay, yes, we're mad at the holding of the American passport, but there's also these other issues. That hasn't happened yet. Ryan Morrow laying it out for us. Ryan is the uh, Director of Intelligence for uh, the Clarion Network. Uh, Ryan, uh, thank you so much. Great work, as always. I'll remind people to follow your work on Facebook and on Twitter, and, of course, at uh, clarionproject.org. Find Ryan there at Ryan Morrow. Spell it M-A-U-R-O. Uh, always appreciate your work, Ryan. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Ryan Morrow on AM 1420. The answer, it's 1022. We'll get a timeout here. We'll come in and take a call or two if you want to talk about what happened yesterday with Michael Cohen's guilty plea, with Paul Manafort being found guilty on eight counts, uh, mistrial declared on 10 counts, all of those issues non-related to the President of the United States. If you want to get on on that, as well as the Molly Tibbetts murdered by an illegal immigration story, your opportunity is next on AM 1420. The answer. All right, 1026 now, the Bob France Authority. We only have a couple of minutes here. Uh, coming up on the other side of the bottom of the hour news, uh, we are going to talk with Congressman Jim Jordan, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, I do have a couple of quick things to say about Michael Cohen and about Paul Manafort and about the left's jubilant celebration last night and yesterday uh, afternoon and evening 
um, about uh, the president's impending impeachment. They seem to believe that because Paul Manafort was found guilty of a bunch of things that he did apparently, and I guess we don't have to say allegedly, at least in eight of the counts, because he was convicted, so it's no longer alleged. It's been proven in a court of law, at least to the satisfaction of that jury, uh, on eight counts of things that he did long before he ever became associated with Donald Trump. He is clearly the victim, Paul Manafort is, in terms of this legal prosecution, he's the victim of Bob Mueller. Bob Mueller, who was appointed special counsel to investigate possible Russian meddling in the American election, and if there was any collusion between Trump and the Trump campaign and those Russians, has, of course, been given a, a blank uh, check and uh, you know the, the wide berth to essentially look for and prosecute any crimes that he finds, whether they have anything to do with Russia or not. Paul Manafort's crimes do not. They also have nothing to do with the President of the United States. How this becomes a stain on President Trump is a mystery to me, with the exception of the question of President Trump's judgment. Because when he was a a candidate, he did choose, he and his team chose Paul Manafort for a short period of time to lead the campaign. Nothing that Manafort has been charged with and or convicted of has anything to do with Manafort's work on that campaign. But it just doesn't look good that you chose somebody who turned out to be a dishonest individual. That's number one. As for Michael Cohen, the idea that Michael Cohen has some sort of dirt on Donald, Donald Trump that would eventually lead to Trump being removed as president is simply laughable. Michael Cohen was facing 65 years in prison for the charges against him. That was lowered by the prosecution in this deal by, uh, by Mueller's team to three to five years as long as you give us Trump. The motivation for lying and perjury, especially on behalf of somebody, Michael Cohen, who was already proven to be a dishonest, snake-skinned, snake uh, slimy serpent of a lawyer who, who actually recorded his conversations with his client and then gave those recordings to others. A clear violation of the attorney-client privilege. This guy is a snake. He has already proven to be dishonest. He is selling out Trump in any way he in any way he can to save his own skin. Three to five years is a deal for him to avoid the sixty plus years that he faced for his own tax fraud and tax evasion. Michael Cohen is not some hero whistleblower here. He's a criminal saving his own butt. Why do you think he chose as his representative Hillary Clinton's BFF, Lanny Davis? Lanny Davis, a longtime Clinton acolyte, is representing Michael Cohen. Nobody wants to tear Donald Trump down more than Lanny Davis and the Clinton crime family, the Clinton criminal syndicate, whatever you want to call them. So that's why we are where we are with Cohen. I'll have more on that, and I will ask our next guest about that. Congressman Jim Jordan, who joins us next on AM 1420, The Answer. Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. 
Indeed, it is 1035 now. We continue on AM 1420. The answer, we have 25 minutes of outstanding awesome left for you. Then we'll turn it over to Mike Gallagher. He'll take you to noon with Prager, Medved, Seculo, Elder, and Walsh. All analysis all day from uh, the very best conservative political minds on the air. And we appreciate you being a part of this program. Uh, Congressman Jim Jordan joins us now, as promised, uh, for a visit uh, just a couple of days in advance of the President of the United States uh, visiting the Buckeye State once again as well. Congressman, yeah. good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine, Bob. Good to be with you. Many, many names to throw at you right now to get your uh, commentary <laughs> on Congressman Jordan. Tibbetts, Rivera, yeah. Cohen, Manafort, and Trump. And we can also just throw in Russians as a general uh, comment-, comment on that. <laughs> Let's start with the uh, yeah. let's start with the horrific news out of Iowa yesterday. Oh, yeah. um, you know, we've oh, been yeah. following the story. Uh, at least, you know, a lot of news outlets have been following the story of Molly Tibbetts, who had been missing for almost an entire month, actually a little over a month before she was eventually found. And now we find out she was murdered by someone who is in this country illegally, an illegal yep. alien who had been here for four to seven years. And you know, uh, uh, there are a lot of very, very disappointed and saddened people wondering when it is that we are going to do something to enforce our um, our uh, immigration. Laws so that we can keep people like that out of this country. When is enough enough, Bob? I mean, when when are we when are we going to do what we said um, and build the border security wall and reform our immigration system in a way that is that 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 we know who's coming in this country? Uh, I mean, look, I just think this underscores when we get back the very first week, we should put the border security wall funding on the spending bill. Send it to Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer the very first week of September and say, you guys figure out a way to get this passed because this is what we told the American people we're going to do in the in horrific and sad, the, the, the tragic situation that happened to Molly, Molly said it is, is just underscores that that has to get done. Yeah, it does. And, and, and when you said, I think you're right, you know, when is enough enough? I'm, when I come to D.C. in two weeks, and I hope I see you there, by the way, I hope you'll be there oh, for yeah. the uh, Hold yeah. Their Feet to the Fire event. Um, I'm going to be speaking with at least two angel families whose loved ones were killed, Agnes Gibney and um, uh, Marianne Mendoza, yeah. whose whose children were killed by illegal aliens. The left is responding to all of this, saying, well, there's domestic murderers as well, so what's the difference? And it, it, it it's so pointless to say yeah. that. It's like saying there are already a lot of drunk drivers on the road, so it's okay, here's the keys. You don't invite yeah. more criminals into the system when you, yes, you are already fighting a, a problem like that here. And uh, these, these families, these Angel families have seen far too much devastation and sadness and loss because we won't control the border. Yep, yep. And it's not like we—it's not like this wasn't an issue in the 2016 campaign. Not like it wasn't an issue in the election. I would argue the single biggest promise that the American people, the single biggest issue they heard in that campaign, was that if they elect Republicans, we are going to build a border security wall, and we have yet to get it done. So it, this, this is about this is about families like the Tibbetts family not having to deal with, with with the tragic, terrible thing that they've had to deal with. This is about keeping our word. This is about a sovereign nation should have the right to understand what's happening on their border and control what's happening on their border. And it's about doing what we said. So let's just go get it done and forget all the excuses in that town and forget all the things that the left things the left wants to say. Let's just do it. We know it. We know the people want it. They elected us to do it. So let's just get it done. We're talking to Congressman Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, let's pivot to the other big news yesterday. Uh, a very bad day for President Trump. Depending on, on what side of the political aisle you sit, uh, that, that determines how bad it was. For me, 
Congressman, the guilty plea by Michael Cohen and the conviction of uh, Paul Manafort on eight out of 18 counts um, simply says the president doesn't exercise the best judgment all the time. He chose a very dirty, shady lawyer that he probably did not know was dirty and shady and recording him until after, of course, he had worked with him for a long, long time. And he chose uh, Paul Manafort to briefly run his campaign. Unbeknownst to him, Paul Manafort had some other shady dealings years before. It shows bad judgment by the president in terms of who he chooses. But nothing we saw yesterday shows that the president committed any crimes or was uh, collusive in any way with uh, with the Russians in an attempt to meddle with our elections. Where is the coordination between the Trump campaign and Russia to impact the election? It's been a year and a half. Where is it at? Not one bit of evidence. But we keep we keep bringing this point up. The left doesn't want to talk about it. But we know this for a fact. The Clinton campaign paid Perkins Coie Law Firm who paid Fusion GPS, who paid Christopher Steele, a foreigner, to talk to Russians and get information that was designed to do what? Influence the election. No one wants to talk about that, except, you know, those of us who see the facts. But, oh, oh we're, 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 we, we, we want to look at, was, was there any possible coordination between the President Trump and his campaign and Russia's impact the election? Zero evidence of that. But as you point out, there are some people who were associated with uh, the, the President Trump's campaign who are now in some, in some trouble. I get that, but that 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 is that is not what this investigation was about, and and like I said, zero evidence to show that anything was done to impact the election by President Trump in any way working with 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 Russia. Which is why so many of us, and there are a lot of your constituents uh, who feel this way, I know, and really people all, all across the country, Congressman, who, who are so disgusted with the appointment of the special prosecutor in the first place by Special Counsel Mueller, because yep. he wasn't given something to investigate. He was given a person to investigate. In other words, he wasn't assigned to investigate Russian meddling with the election. It was, go get Donald Trump. Get him on something. Get him on anything. If you can't get him for collusion, get him for something else. And that's that's why all of these other individuals and these crimes totally unrelated to Russia and the election, they're, they're all getting swept up in this. Right. And that, that to me, is it's not it's the, almost criminal in its, in its, in its uh, appointment. Well, it's not supposed to work that way in America. You don't investigate people. You investigate crime. You investigate wrongdoing, not individuals. But that's not what's going on here. And this, 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 is, this goes further. This is why I'm so concerned about what the FBI did. Understand what we've learned in the last few weeks, Bob. We, at Bruce Orr, a senior Justice Department official, Bruce Orr's wife, worked for the firm hired by the Clintons to put together the dossier. And we learned four weeks ago when Peter Strzok was on the witness stand, it took me to the third round of questioning for him to admit this, that the FBI was, in fact, getting the dossier from Bruce Orr. So think about that. A top Justice Department official's wife works for the firm hired by the Clintons to produce the dossier, is giving the information to the FBI. And what are they doing with that information? False information, by the way. They are taking it to a court to do what? Get a warrant to spy on the other campaign, to spy on Trump's campaign. So th- this is as, as, as wrong as anything I've ever seen the federal government engaged in, any agency engaged in. And, and it happened. And it happened here in the United States of America where it is never supposed to take place. Congressman Jim Jordan joining us, Ohio's 4th Congressional District uh, Representative. He is also a candidate for Speaker of the House. Uh, I, I want to pivot to one other thing uh, before we talk about the President's visit to Ohio and uh, and get your thoughts on that. Um, when it comes to your race, when it comes to control of the, uh, of the House, I, I, I don't want to take everything that happened yesterday and just play politics with it, but... 
I feel like there are, are very a number of elements to this. If we allow the Democrats to retake the House, and it's a Nancy Pelosi or somebody else uh, who takes that gavel instead of you or another Republican leader, um, we are going to revert to open borders, uh, if not in actual name, in practice. And, and things like what happened to Molly Tibbetts are going to be, uh, are, are, it's going to be more and more frequent. Secondly, they're going to impeach. They're going to use what happened yep. yesterday, even though we, you explained it very well. Nothing here, uh, you know, shows any crime committed by President Trump or anything that would lead to that. They're going to, to impeach because it's what they've been screaming really since November 9th yep. of 2016. So again, without trying to just play politics and say vote Republican on in November, we have right. to vote Republican in November to, to stop this. <laughs> yeah, but understand what they're running on. It's even worse than you just described. They're running on four things. They're going to raise taxes. They're going to not just open borders. They're going to abolish ICE. Right? That's what they're campaigning on. Oh, uh, raise your taxes, abolish ICE, socialize medicine, and impeach the president. That's the Democrats' message, and it, and and that's why it is critical. It is critical that we maintain the majority in the House of Representatives because they are, going, they are bound and determined to get those four things done. And if it's Nancy Pelosi as Speaker, they will be focused on accomplishing those four things. That's uh, that's uh, really a disturbing thought, uh, but you're right. That is what they're running on, and 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 that's what leads us to again, uh, you know, encouraging people to get out, get out there. It's all about turnout. It's said that in this attempt to create the blue wave that they want, that Democrat voters will crawl over broken glass to get to the polls in November. Uh, do you believe that Republican voters well, are as motivated to 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 stop that agenda great, you just laid out? Great question. And the, and the best thing we could do to make sure we keep the majority and stop the Democrats from doing the four things we just described is for us to go back and do what we said. And the best thing to do is to put that border funding wall on the spending bill first week of September, send it to the Senate and say, Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer, you guys get that, figure out a way to get this passed. And I think that was the only way that could happen is they got to get rid of the filibuster rule and pass that border security wall funding. Make sure that happens. If we do that, our voters are going to say, they're doing what they said. We're going to go vote for them. We're going to keep the majority. So that is the best way to do it. That's what I'm going to be pushing for. Um, I have to ask you about this then. I wasn't intending to uh, to talk to you about the Yoder Amendment, but since we're talking about that spending bill, it's here. Um, at what price get the border wall on that spending bill um, at the no. price of passing an amendment like this? Because I was talking to our mutual acquaintance and my friend uh, Peter Kersenow about this. He wrote a letter to Speaker Ryan uh, just about two weeks ago yeah. saying, please do not allow this thing to come up for a vote because what it would do essentially is, um, is uh, you know, bring back the catch and release policies of the Obama era. Yeah. Uh, so, so are you willing to pass a spending bill to to get the border wall funded if it also means uh, the expansion of that uh, and the return to that catch no. and release policy? Of, of course not, and, and, okay. and neither does the president. The president wants the president wants to fix the, the immigration and, and and secure our border. That means a border security wall, and you stop catch and release, you reform our asylum law, you do this, get rid of the crazy visa lottery, chain migration. You do those key things, but let's get those. That, that's what the American people elected us to do. That's what the, When you say border security wall, it encompasses everything we just described. Doing the right thing to secure that border so that you don't have situations that took place in Iowa, where you can, you can, you can help avoid those situations happening anytime in the future, and the tragedy and, and, the, and the heartbreak that happens when, when, when those kind of things occur. So that's what we'll, we'll, the, the legislation that we need. That's the policy we need in that 
spending bill. And we need to pass it early, though, so you have the whole month of September before the end of the fiscal year to have the debate and win the debate and win the policy. Congressman Jim Jordan joining us on AM 1420. The answer covered a lot of important ground here. The president is coming back to Ohio. Obviously, we're all looking forward to that. Um, is is yeah. he is Governor Kasich is not going to be there again? Uh, as as you you know, as of course he wasn't even there for the. I didn't uh, expect. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't expect yeah. it either. But it, but but what, what what where are we in the state of Ohio? Do you think because the president said something the other day uh, a couple of weeks ago? I guess he referred to the unpopular President Kasich, and that was taken to task by the Politifact and people who say he's very popular in Ohio and would be reelected again, et cetera. Where is the president's support, do you think, among Ohioans relative to that John Kasich number? I think the president's support is strong. I mean, he won the race for Troy Balderson. Troy Balderson was losing in the, um, Troy was losing in the absentee, the early vote, 64-36 when those numbers first came in. The president comes in three days before the election, Saturday night, an amazing rally. They turned thousands away at the door. Uh, amazing event where, where, by the way, the air conditioning wasn't working and people were, but people stayed because it was, it, 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 to hear the president and, and his remarks, and it was great. That's what helped put Troy over the top and helped him win that seat. So um, I think the president is, is uh, so appreciated in our great state. And the fact that he's coming back again here on Friday night is going to be another great event. Yeah, it's a very important fundraiser. We're looking forward to it. Bob Paducha, co-chair of the RNC, is going to be joining us tomorrow to preview that as well. He's got a lot of very important stops he's going to make as well. And and, and I'm glad to hear that because, again, you know, the, the last thing we need is to have divided ranks right now. I think we need to circle the wagons. And uh, the president is under attack by Bob Mueller, by his team. They're doing they're using every underhanded method, uh, you know, conceivable or possible to get to him. They're trying to squeeze other individuals loosely associated with him, like Manafort, to get to him. And I just hope people people circle the wagons around the president because um, you look yeah. you know he's he, congressman I'm sure you'd agree based on the things that we we do see coming out of this he's not an altar boy okay he's 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 not a choir boy these allegations of extramarital things and these payments and so on and so forth are ugly and they're nasty but they're marital affairs they're not national affairs and I didn't elect him to be a choir boy I elected him to give me 4.1% GDP conservative judges uh in the Iran deal and so on and so forth yeah. and those are the things that Robert, he's doing and that's why that's why we have to support him remember the list Taxes are, have been cut, regulations reduced, economy growing at 4.1%, lowest unemployment 20 years, Gorsuch on the court, Kavanaugh coming on the court, out of the Iran deal, embassy going to Jerusalem, and the hostages have been returned from North Korea. That is an amazing, amazing year and a half. That's what we got to focus on, and we got to help this president continue to do the things that we told the American people we were going to do. If this were Jeopardy and you were to read that list to me, my answer would be name seven things that you will never see on the front page of a newspaper because you're exactly right. Yeah, right. That's, uh, that's what they do. Con- Congressman, always a pleasure. I look forward to talking with you again next week. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Congressman Jim Jordan on AM 1420. The answer is 1050. We'll get a uh, final check of our traffic during this program, and then we'll come back and take some more of your phone calls before the top of the hour at AM 1420. The answer.
1054, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, the answer. Uh, Donnie in Euclid wants to get in here at the top of the hour or near the top of the hour and the end of the broadcast. Hey, Donnie, go ahead. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. I, I just I just have one question for you. I'm just I'm confused on something. Maybe you can help me out. I don't know if you've spoken about this yet or not, but all I've heard, especially from the mainstream media, is what a racist organization ICE is. Didn't they just send a, a former Nazi back to Germany? Yes. Isn't that yes, supposed they to did. Be a white guy? They did, and President Trump did, and that's very, very important. I talked about this yesterday too. President Trump did something that neither Obama nor Bush before him was able to do because the deportation order for that uh, Nazi, ninety-five-year-old uh, Nazi living in America since nineteen forty-nine, as an American citizen since nineteen fifty-six, because he lied about his uh, whereabouts right. and uh, during the war. Uh, they, that deporta- deportation order was given in 2003, and nobody could get him deported. Donald Trump got Germany to take him, because he's not a German citizen. So they were like, you're not sending him here. He's not ours. Um, but but President Trump convinced Angela Merkel that, hey, he might not be a German citizen, but he fought and did the terrible things that he did under the German flag and under the Nazi symbol during the war. So you have a responsibility on a moral, if not a legal scale, to take him. And that's exactly what happened. So President Trump, the supposed white supremacist, the supposed racist, the supposed fascist, and ICE, the supposed white supremacist, fascist uh, 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 jackboot wearers that the left wants them to, you know, wants to portray them as, they co- combined to uh, to deport this Nazi and get him the heck out of the United States. Well, I hope that these these people that are going around claiming that this there's going to be a blue wave. I hope that I hope that they're proven so wrong by the. Uh, end of the election that that there will be i don't care how cliche it sounds that there will be a red tsunami well i'll tell you what thank you donnie i i I join you your wish and your hope there in a red wave or a red tsunami or whatever i'll take a red trickle uh i just want to keep control of the house okay that's what i want I'm not suggesting we're going to turn a bunch of blue seats red, and I'm not suggesting that every red seat is going to remain that way. There are going to be a lot of Democrats uh, crawling out of the woodwork to vote maybe for the first time or to vote maybe for a second or third or fourth time in the same election because it's how they operate. But in all seriousness, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going to come out in force. They're going to, they're going to make some dents in the, in the, in the Republicans' uh, majority. Let's just hope that the dent isn't enough to cave in the side of the vehicle, uh, and that we have uh, we have a total loss. I'm just hoping for enough of a red trickle that we maintain the majority. Don't lose more seats than you gain, and we're okay. We have to have somebody like Jim Jordan uh, carrying the gavel when the next Congress begins. It cannot be Nancy Pelosi again, or if the and the the good news about that, by the way, is there is enough infighting on the part of the Democrat Party, especially in the Congress. Um, that perhaps we can take advantage of that. There is a the strong uh, number of the younger members of Congress, the Democrat Congress, that want Nancy Pelosi out. And Nancy Pelosi and her old guard are going to cling to her power, their power, as tightly as they possibly can. So if we can just hope that they fight amongst one another long enough for us to kind of slide in, uh, you know, in, in, in a certain number of races, uh, that'll, that'll be to our benefit. The Republicans are going to have a battle, too. Don't get me wrong, 
It's not like we're all 100% unified either. Leadership, like Paul Ryan, wants other leadership, like Kevin McCarthy, to be the next speaker if we do hold the majority. And if not, perhaps Steve Scalise. And I like Steve Scalise. And Steve Scalise is a favorite, of course, in large part because he is so so much more well-known than he was prior to being the victim of a shooting attack by a crazed liberal uh, gunman. But Steve Scalise is kind of married to the leadership of Ryan and McCarthy, and I would believe, or I believe, would not be the best person to be speaker. I believe it has got to be a true conservative who is willing to do, as Jim Jordan just said, quote, what we said we'd do, end quote. And that would, of course, be Jordan himself. So I won't, I won't be pushing for, I won't be, and I'll push for it, but I won't be expecting any red wave or any red tsunami. I'll just take a red trickle, something that stops the blue wave from happening. Just put up a break wall so that the blue wave can't come crashing to our shores and uh, and swamp us. We have to maintain the majority. It's just that simple. All right, that's all the time that we've got. Thank you so much for being a part of our great conversation today. Tomorrow, uh, Jim Renacy will join us tomorrow on tomorrow's program and a couple of other special guests as well. Stay where you are because Mike Gallagher is coming up next, followed by Prager and Medved and Seculo and Elder and Walsh. Stay here all day, all night for the best insight and conservative news talk you will find on the radio. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.